Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Run Hard Running Team podcast. Thanks for giving us your time today and your ears to listen to my conversation with Sean Martin. If you're from the Columbia area, you may recognize that name and be like, wait, wait a second. I've seen that name in results before, but I haven't seen it in a while. Where has he been? What's he been up to? Well, today he'll bring us up to date to what he's doing and really where he's at. So I'm lucky enough to snag him for a little while because where he's been, there hasn't been many cell phone bars. You'll get what I'm saying as we go through our conversation today. But Sean, welcome and thanks for coming and talking to me for a little bit today. Absolutely. Thanks, Jesse, uh, you know, for an opportunity to uh, get back on the podcast. It's been, uh, I was thinking back, I think it's been three years since uh, the last time we chatted. That's about right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so now, right now, you are in the middle of, I say in the middle of, you're somewhere in the process of completing your triple crown of American long distance hiking. Is that right? That's, that's right. Yeah. So, I'm actually right now. I'm doing a little bit of a, of a warm up um, before jumping into what I consider some of the longer trails. Um, but I'm currently in Arizona on uh, on a, 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 the Arizona Trail, which is a national scenic trail. Um, about 300 miles in on this one, and this is this trail is it's, it's actually relatively short, uh, but it clocks in at about 800 miles, and I'm at mile 300 right now. So you're almost halfway. Almost, yeah. yeah, almost halfway. Yep, yep. So eight hundred um, miles. What state are you in? Yeah, so it, so the it's it's in Arizona. Yeah, so this trail, Arizona Trail, um, starts down uh, right at the the uh, Mexican border. Um, okay. And sort of in the center of the state, and then runs up north through Arizona, um, coming through a lot of national parks and forests. Um, goes through uh, Saguaro National Park up through uh, the Superstition Mountain Range, and uh, goes actually uh, through the Grand Canyon. And then this trail ends right at the border with Utah. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll be been out here for a couple weeks and be out here for a few more weeks before uh, moving over to some of the longer, some, uh, a bit of a longer trail that I've got coming up next. Sure. So we mentioned that you're completing the triple crown of American long distance hiking. This is, I guess is the third section, third leg, third event, third trail, whatever sure, that is. Sure. What was yeah. the first part? So the, the three big trails that uh, constitute a, a triple crown, um, we've got the uh, Appalachian trail on the East coast, which um, some folks That's right. you know, in South Carolina are probably familiar with. Uh, oh, starts yeah. in Georgia, goes all the way up to Maine. Um, and so that's for a lot of folks, that's, um, oftentimes their introduction to the triple crown. Okay. Uh, the eight, the AT as it's known is, um, one of the, it's, it's the oldest, um, sort of trail and footpath. And so I actually, I did that hike in 2016. Uh, that was sort of the first big hike that I did. That's right. Um, then the other two that constitute this, this triple crown, we've got the Pacific crest trail. Um, that starts out in, in California. Same deal goes uh, from the Mexican border all the way up to Canada. Um, and then the third one is actually the, the Continental Divide Trail. Um, and that one starts in and runs up through uh, New Mexico, uh, through the Rockies and Colorado, over into Wyoming, 
Um, you go through Yellowstone and then actually, and it finishes at, uh, in Glacier National Park. And because of the, the terrain that you go through for the Continental Divide Trail, weather is, the weather is really important, um, that you don't get sure. stuck in the snow and dealing with the heat. So I, I'm out here in Arizona using this first month, um, doing this other sort of side trail as a preparation and a warm up to going and doing the, the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail, which I'll do later this year. And then I'll finish everything off with a through hike of the Pacific Crest Trail next year. So Pacific Crest Trail next year, Continental Divide Trail later this year, right? That's correct. Yep, yep. And then that'll be that'll be the three. And then, yeah, like I guess I did the AT in 2016 to kind of start this sort of passion off. Um, and uh, and that'll be it. That'll, that'll be my, uh, my triple crown, which has been something I've been thinking about for a while. So just to clarify for everyone, you've done from Georgia to Maine. You've done the entire Appalachian Trail, correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 2,190-odd miles um, that I did back in 2016. And then um, after that, I went and did the the Palmetto Trail as a thru-hike, which I think the last time I was on, um, we talked about that a little bit. That's right. Um, And then since then, I've done done some other shorter hikes. I, I, uh, did the John Muir trail a couple years ago, last year in 2020, um, which is in, uh, in California, goes from Yosemite national park all the way to uh, a couple hundred miles to Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the continental U S. Um, so that's a, that's a fun one, but, uh, what, yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. What constitutes a short hike now for you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so really that that really gets to the root of this whole process and where my mind was at because, you know, you, I, you do a trip of, you, you know, I've done a couple thousand miles. You start thinking, okay, what's next? What's the next challenge? That's right. How am I going to, how am I going to push myself and, 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 and kind of push those limits? And I started originally the whole idea is, okay, a lot of people generally do, they do the AT first, then you do the PCT and then maybe you do the CDT. Um, and kind of work your way through it. But I, I thought, you know, just doing doing a trail, just doing 2,000 miles and change, um, it didn't feel like enough of a challenge. Um, wow. It, it didn't feel like I, because I, I had sort of, I'd been there before. And it was, so how do I, right. how do I find this sort of, this new ground? How do I really test myself? Um, and that's where this project really ballooned up from, just doing a 2000 mile hike to now it's in the, in the order of magnitude, it's close to 11,000 miles wow. of hikes and, and, and running projects and things that I've got planned over the next few years. Um, and, and really just trying to find, you know, find that point where it feels, uh, you know, it feels a little intimidating and it feels a little scary. And I think that's a good, that's a good place to be to make sure that you're challenging yourself and you're growing and uh yeah and trying to live it so no doubt right now (laughs) yeah no doubt that's a good word for sure so have you always hiked has this always been a passion of yours growing up i i mean so i with my family we had i had done some you know we'd done car camping and 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 a bunch of day hiking um not a whole lot of backpacking for me it really um there's sort of there's sort of two pivotal two pivotal moments one um when i was this is when i was in high school and went and did uh, a backpacking a weekend backpacking trip up into maine 
um, with, with my family and we went to, went up to Baxter State Park, which is where uh, Mount Katahdin is located. Mount Katahdin is the northern terminus, the, the northern uh, endpoint um, for the Appalachian Trail. And um, having that experience of, of climbing that mountain and then learning more about, hey, there's a, you can do a hike that's 2,000 miles and finish at this point. Um, that really started, you know, getting the gears going. Wow, sure. that'd be really a cool accomplishment to have, a, a cool challenge. Um, and so that's that sort of started things. And then after, after graduating high school, I participated in a program called uh, called Outward Bound. Um, and what they do is they do excursions, uh, usually seven to ten days for uh, oftentimes inner city kids or just other youth. And you do things, you do backpacking, rock climbing. I think they've got some sailing uh, projects um, and, and other uh, other things you can do. But I ended up doing a, I did a 10-day backpacking trip um, with this group. And, and that really, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I enjoy the challenge. I like, I like the outdoors. I like pushing myself. Um, and it's, it's just sort of grown, grown from there and kind of built, built up over the years. Man, that's awesome. Have you, as you're talking and knowing kind of your, your race background and everything, did you watch, well, I'm not sure if you watched the show or not, because it sounds like you're hiking a lot, but the, the show, the, the world's toughest race. Did you see that? Did you see it advertised? Yeah, um, the world's toughest race. Was that the, like the eco challenge? Yes. Yes. Did, did you watch um, that? As, as you are talking, I'm like, man. I know if I ever get on that show to race, I know who's going to be my one of my teammates. <laughs> so you are going to be the guy I call, man, because it's like, dude, he would be perfect for a race like that. Because I mean, they're they're backpacking, they're they're kayaking. I mean, they're they're doing all the stuff that you're talking about. So you would you would excel at it, would be my guess. So if you, if yeah. you ever get back into the racing scene, man, that's where you need to go. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know that really would seem like the next uh, the next logical step is sure. is adding in adding in some orienteering, adding in uh, adding in some other uh, some other sports there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe that's the next thing. So I'm following you on your social media. I'm reading your blogs about your current uh, project that you're doing in Arizona. So let's unpack that a little bit, if you don't mind, and just sure. give everybody a little. Um, glimpse into all of your experiences throughout the day because as I'm reading, seeing some of the pictures of these things, I'm like, man, this is really neat. Neat for me because I get to read it from the comfort of my home in my living room. <laughs> and it sounds like to me, man, you're just living your life out there on the trail, which looks really cool. So yeah, yeah. tell everybody a little bit about, um, I, I know you, you said this is part of like uh, the process of completing the uh, triple crown type thing, but where did this idea, how did it start? And uh, when did it start? Yeah, so um, really, the idea for coming out to Arizona it come, mostly came down to just scheduling, um, because for a lot of the a lot of the hikes and a lot of the trails, you they have a particular hiking season, uh, which is usually you know, maybe spring into the summer when the weather's nice, maybe into the fall a little bit. Um, for the to do that, the CDT, um, it has a really narrow season because 
of the weather in the Rockies and in Colorado. Right, right. And I couldn't, if I started too early on that trail, then I would have hit a bunch of snow in Colorado. So I ended up with about a month of some, some free time and started looking around, okay, what, what trails, what outdoor projects, what can I do um, within this window? And the Arizona trail, uh, because it's, it's in the desert, um, but it also, it, it has a pretty narrow window as well, because in, even in Arizona in February into March, there's still snow wow. at a lot of, uh, up at elevation. Now, what um, elevation are you hiking at right now? So right now I'm in town right now and, um, we're probably, I don't know, at two or 3000 feet. Okay. But, but some of the peaks, a lot of the, a lot of the trail is up above 5,000 feet, okay, wow. um, up to eight or 9,000 feet. Okay. Um, so you can deal. So, so if you're too early, then you've got to deal with a bunch of, you got to deal with the snow and the right. cold. If you're too late, which uh, this is really April end of April is almost the end of the season because wow. all the water, all the water dries up. So, uh, um, that has become, that's sort of been a unique part of what I'm currently doing now on the Arizona trail is sure. that water is, water's very limited. Um, a lot of the water that I'm getting has actually been put out by volunteers. Um, what we call trail angels. So people that are in the community that want to help out other hikers and, um, and kind of support other folks. And so they put water out and then kind of let you know, okay, we've got some water stashed here. There's water here because other than that, the only other real water sources are water bins and tubs that are put out by, um, uh, that are there basically for the cattle, uh, for the cows. And, so that's kind of been my, that's the last couple of weeks, that's been my, my water source is either this water that's been put out by, by volunteers or filtering water that's there, there for the cows. And that, that, uh, that's been a, it's a unique experience. <laughs> yeah. At least. I saw pictures of the, 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 these tubs on your blog and before you explained it, I'm like, he's talking about getting water out of tubs that look like <laughs> they have green stuff growing in the tubs. And I'm like, yeah, there is yeah. no way he's drinking water from bathtubs. Where's this water coming from? So explain a little bit about how the water actually gets into the tub because yeah. it's a, from how I understand it, it's from a spring. So it's not like it's just a rain fed tub that's well, been sitting there. I don't yeah, think, I mean, I mean, I guess it could be. Yeah. So like the, the best water sources um, in this case are, they're still spring fed and the, they're sort they're, they're piped over to a, a bin or a tub so that, the cattle, the cows, and the wildlife can drink from it. But there are some that are just rainwater collectors, um, and so they're okay. they're nice and green. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but pretty much all of us, we all carry some means of filtering the water. Sure. Uh, there's there's different ways of doing that. With there's there's chemical solutions you can use or like squeeze filters. Um, so we've we've got ways to filter it, but. Uh, Filtering only goes so far, and uh, sometimes you can't filter out the taste. <laughs> like that. Oh man! <laughs> but you're thirsty enough that it really doesn't matter most oh, of the time. I'm sure. So water, 
I would assume is probably one of the more important supplies, if not the most important. But I mean, you're talking about 800 miles here <laughs> on the trail that you're currently on. How yeah. do you carry all of your supplies that you need in between towns? And explain a little bit maybe on that, how far these towns are apart where you have to really sustain yourself while you're on the trail. For sure, yeah. I mean, the, the trip logistics is, you know, is a big part of it and, um, and sort of planning ahead. I would say in most cases you're able to get to a town every probably – four or five days um so in terms of food i'm carrying enough food for you know for that length of time and then you get into town and and if you're lucky there's a grocery store um if you're if you're not so lucky then maybe it's a gas station or a a small convenience store that you're you're trying to scrounge together enough supplies to get to the next town um what i what i have done in a few spots some of the longer sections is actually mailed packages um, with with food um, to in one cases in one case I mailed a package to it's um, uh, like a, a mountain park kind of a like a touristy kind of attraction sure. but they they're right on the trail and so they know that they're right on the trail and they know that they're in a spot where hikers are going to need supplies and so they receive packages uh, for hikers okay um, yeah. yeah and then. Uh, I've got another one in a couple days that is being held at a marina, um, and and they've they've kind of recognized okay there's a need there's people that uh, are going to need supplies in this area and in some cases they'll, they'll charge a small fee to hold the to sure. hold the package for you but sure. you do have to get kind of creative on some of the longer stretches um, to uh, to stay resupplied with food and then the water you know is um, um you can only carry so much water right now i i on the longer stretches i'm carrying about four liters of water which really adds up that that's a lot of weight oh um, yeah but uh i mean four liters kind of, yeah four yeah. liters i'm assuming that that really doesn't last that long when you're hiking all day long in right, a, yeah, in a yeah. desert maybe not essentially like really hot yet but definitely dry yeah i mean so i'll i I have I can carry about four liters, but during the course of a of a full day, I'm probably I'm drinking at least six, maybe seven liters. Um, so you you've pretty much got to find some have some supply during the day. Sure. Um, sure. Where you're where you're where you're topping off, but um, yeah, it's that that has been kind of a, a new challenge. And on other trails I've done, usually there's there's plenty of water, so you don't have to worry about it too much. But sure, um, yeah. Now, I mean, obviously water is important, but what about the other food, <clears throat> the things that are giving you energy? Because, like I said, I mean, you're you're hiking day after day after day, all day long, pretty much. I mean, yeah, you take breaks, but <clears throat> still, how how are you keeping that energy level up day after day? Yeah, yeah. So it. Kind of every hiker is a little bit unique, and, and you've got to find, uh, just like with running, you know, you've got to find a nutrition strategy that works works best for you. What what I like, I like to eat while I'm moving, um, and not take a whole lot of breaks where I'm totally stopped. So it's a lot of bars, um, uh, like protein bars, Cliff bars. Sure. Um, I I don't usually cook in the morning, or I usually don't cook at lunch, um, but I might do. 
like some peanut butter on a tortilla or something at lunch to have something a little bit different. Um, and then you kind of, you get to the end of the day, dinner time when you're done hiking and you're, that's when you're trying to, you know, really trying to replenish a lot of the calories that you've, that you've lost throughout the day. Um, what's pretty common. A lot of folks do are, uh, like uh, pasta sides or rice sides. Yeah. Really, you're looking for food that you just need to boil water, add whatever the food is to that boiling water, and then you can eat it because that's about um, really all you can do when you're when you're backpacking and you're going pretty light. Um, but other things like uh, couscous is another yeah. good option. Oatmeal. Um, it's not. Uh, you don't get a whole lot of variety. So when you get to no town yeah. and you can you know have some. Mexican food or some pizza or something, yeah. um, then, then you're, uh, you're really, you're running a deficit as you're hiking. Sure. And sure. so then when you get, you get to town and you got to try to make up for that. Yeah. I mean, do you ever get any weird looks? I'm assuming you go to these Mexican restaurants or a restaurant in town and you just like, <laughs> you just consume so much food. I mean, do you, have you ever gotten a look where people are like, like, are you okay? Do, I mean, do, <laughs> because you're just eating all this food. Yeah. I mean, I, at least through the trail towns, they, they kind of expect it. Sure. Um, and they, they, you know, even some places they'll have, you know, they'll have, okay, this is our, the hiker portion of whatever this is. But, um, I think today we got into town and we had sort of, uh, like a first lunch and then sat around a little bit and ate a second lunch. And then some of us had like a third lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just eating. Yeah. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to keep it going day after day. So, yeah. uh, do you hike mostly during the day? Do you ever do <clears throat> hike? Do you ever hike at night? That's a, that's a good question. So, I I ended up doing um, a lot of night hiking actually when I was on on the Palmetto Trail um, back in, in 2018, and it's it's actually served me pretty well because being out here in the desert the middle of the day is when it's the most brutal. Um, and the, I mean, the sun is up at eight o'clock. It's hot 8am by, by 10am you're drenched in sweat and it's wow. just uncomfortable. And then, I mean, around noontime, you really want to find some shade and, uh, and kind of sit for, for an hour or two. Um, but then if you shift, if, if you take that break in the middle of the day and then shift some hiking hours, either early morning or once the sun goes down, then it's, it's a lot more comfortable. You're not sweating as much. You're not losing as much water. So I've been doing at least an hour or two of night hiking probably every day um, <clears throat> with some days hiking till probably around 10, um, 10 p.m. But uh, the, the, there's some significant advantages there. And what's really cool, what I find really cool, is the desert really comes alive at night. Um, okay. That's when the wildlife comes out. That's when there's owls and foxes and, and just some really cool stuff that comes out uh, comes out after dark. So um, I'd say, yeah, definitely being able to hike at night is a huge advantage when you're when you're dealing with the desert. Yeah, when you said the desert comes alive at night, that's when that disadvantage that, that that's definitely not an advantage to me. Like when stuff starts coming alive and I can't see it. That's uh, that's kind of like well, what's going on? So, but I, I bet that uh, I can definitely uh, can see how that would be a huge relief. So, as the desert, as you say, comes alive, what are some of the things that you've seen? 
some of the things that, that I'm seeing. Yeah, like memorable yeah. things. Like it, it could be animals, oh, sure. it could be sights, it, it, it could be really be anything specifically yeah, on yeah. this trip. Yeah, um, I, probably the one of the coolest things was seeing. I saw it was a pair of I believe they were gray foxes um, that uh, that I saw it on the trail, and you. Yeah, you know, you're you're hiking at night with your headlamp. Um, if the moon is out, then really, you honestly may, maybe don't even need the headlamp because the moon is sure. so bright. Sure. But what you see is you see you see some eyes. You see a pair of eyes or a couple right. pairs of eyes. Right. But you you don't really know what it is at first. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of see the eyes looking back at you, and then slowly approach and try to figure out what it is. Um, but I uh, was up in Saguaro National Park and. And yeah, I, I saw four eyes looking back at me. They were, they were low to the ground, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking mountain lion or anything sure. like that. But uh, and I got kind of close, and they, they looked at me, and then sort of turned and, and jumped and, and scurried away. And um, I know some of those those moments are really special because you know if, if you're there, say you're there with a group and you're you're chatting and you're talking, then you know it's going to scare away that that light that uh, those animals. Um, but when you're there by yourself and it's silent. Um, and you're able to kind of get get close to to some of those things. It's 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 pretty special. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, and then today we actually had our first. Today was today was really cool. We um in the morning we had there were three or four bighorn sheep oh, wow. that were on trail, which was which was really cool um, to see them. And, and they they kind of saw us, and then they just took off and went straight up uh the side of this mountain which was uh which was really oh, fantastic yeah. to see yeah um and then uh then we saw not one not two but we had three rattlesnakes mm. <laughs> on trail um and uh you know they, they were signaling they were letting us know that they were there and and we were all paying attention um but uh but yeah i mean seeing seeing that life and and seeing it in its natural habitat and kind of being able to be a witness to that, I think, is uh, is really special. I find it really special. Sure. So you, you mentioned rattlesnakes, and you mentioned some other things like that. And uh, I'm not saying th- th- these animals like come and like try to attack you guys or anything. <clears throat> because, but I mean, you're you're in their natural habitat. So <clears throat> what happens if you're on the trail and say somebody gets bit by a rattlesnake? I mean, you, sure, you are. Yeah. There's possibility you you don't have cell phone service. I'm not saying you do. Don't you? You might not. But um, what happens if not? Maybe not just bit by a, a snake, but say someone falls and an injury or something. Yeah. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, nowadays, the technology has come really far, um, and there's some really cool things you can do with. Uh, satellite communicators and for okay. the first time on one of my trips um, I've actually I have a, a satellite communicator with me okay and it, it, it gives you it gives you some uh, some options um, so usually most of them have a built-in sort of SOS button that you can press and so if you're you know you're by yourself you're injured you're stuck somewhere you can push that and that's going to um, alert local search and rescue to your position. It knows exactly where you are. So sure. that's kind of your, your best bet if you're by yourself. Um, if you didn't have something like that in your, but you're hiking with other people, then someone could hike ahead, get to the nearest trailhead and, and 
um, start the process of trying to get you get you some assistance. But it really is critically important that every individual is able to, uh, you know, sort of has their wits about them and sure. and is able to, um, you know, really take care of themselves and is smart. Right. Um, because otherwise you're, you're a liability to yourself, the liability to the other hikers. Um, if you're, you know, you're not paying attention or, or you're, right. um, you're being a little reckless. Yeah. Um, yeah. so there is a lot of, there is a lot of personal responsibility that goes, that goes into it. Um, and, and that, that tends to be the case that the folks who are going to make it the distance and who are going to do long hikes of several hundred miles, um, you have to be kind of serious about it. Sure. Um, but, uh, but fortunately I, I haven't had any serious injuries. I've had, um, in the past, you know, blisters and, and shin splints and, um, more recently on this, it's been a lot of, uh, cactus spines in my feet, which, uh, Ow. <laughs> it's Ow. not very pleasant, but, uh, uh I can only imagine. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and pick them out with tweezers and, and go about your day. But, um. But yeah, you do have to know, and you, you have to know when to make the call to say, okay, I'm I'm too injured, you know, or I need to take I need to take a rest, um, which is what I'm actually doing right now. Is I have been I've, last couple of days have been um, pushing thirty ish miles per day, wow, and uh, feeling 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 good, but uh, but a little tired. My feet are a little sore, so did sort of a half day today. Got got some some food in me. I'll get plenty of rest tonight and uh, be able to get back out there tomorrow. Sure. So when you're in town, are you still having a camp or are, are, are you, mm. do you treat yourself to a hotel room? Yeah. So it, it, it definitely depends on the town. Um, sure. The most towns prefer that you don't camp in the town, I would say. Um, sure. but, but some do, some, some are okay with that. Um, the, usually there's, you know, there's some hotel or something that you could, you could stay at. What I really love and what I much prefer is being able to take advantage of the hiker community. And, and so what that entails is, is when I get into town looking for, um, like hostels, hiker hostels. Uh Um, so it's the same idea, like an international, international hostel. Um, but they're, they're hostels that are, there to cater to hikers they know what hikers need um usually maybe there's a bunk room or you know a place to set up your tent on someone's uh, you know on the property um and they'll help get you a ride to the grocery store if you need it help you do laundry they've got uh, a big thing that a lot of them do is they'll have loaner clothes so they'll have clothes that you can borrow that you can wear so that you can do laundry to wash your hiking clothes because I don't have extra clothes. Sure. I have, I have one shirt. I have one pair of shorts. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's all the clothes you have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, wow. I, I've, got, and I've got a, I've got a fleece and a, and a jacket. Um, but really I'm not, I'm not carrying multiple pairs of, of pants and multiple shirts. So if I want to do laundry, I've got to borrow <laughs> something or not, or I'm not able to wash all my clothes. So, um, the hot hostels are, uh, I think they're a really important part of supporting the hikers and, and for the hikers to connect to the community. Um, and, and then sort of what goes along with that is there's a lot of, um, I mentioned those volunteers that will go out and put water on the trail or help support hikers. 
there's also a lot of, of these volunteers, these trail angels that will invite hikers into their house um, and say, hey, I know you need a place to stay. There's not a good place to stay in this town. Like you can you can sleep on the floor in here. You can sleep in, you know, set up your tent in my backyard. And I think that that relationship, that hiker community relationship is really important. No um, doubt. Yeah. 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 And that's that's actually what I'm doing tonight is I'm staying with a a trail angel um, with one of these volunteers who, you know, feels passionately about the community, who wants to give back, wants to wants to support the hikers. And, you know, she invites us into our home and she cooked she cooked us dinner, um, lets us stay here. And uh, so I, I think that's something that's it's wow. really special. Um and, uh, and I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's almost like the lifeblood of these hikers is to sue, not, not depend, but hope, depend, mm-hmm. but hope for um, the generosity of people in, in, in these towns for sure. Now, how definitely. long how long are you going to be in this town? So ju- just for tonight. Just for okay. tonight. I'll um, you know, kind of did everything I needed to do uh, in town this afternoon. Um, and then I'll, I'll hit the trail probably around seven tomorrow morning and, uh, and try to get a full day in. Um, if I, if I needed to take more time then I could, and needed to rest up a little bit more, if I was, if I was nursing an injury then I could take what's known as a, a zero day, um, which would be where I, you know, just sort of stay just take a whole day where I don't hike, I hike zero miles. Um, and just sort of rest and recuperate. But right now, right now I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back out there and, and doing some more mileage. Now, are you on pace to finish when you wanted to finish when you first started? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I started, so, uh, Arizona trail, I started April 11th, I believe. Um, and I gave myself, uh, I've got about a month, uh, like 30, 31, 32 days, okay. um, which, which works out to 23 miles a day, um, average. And I'm, I'm right about there. I might be 22, 22 and a half, um, for my pace. Sure. And, uh, so yeah, so that'll have me finishing right sort of the, uh, second week of May. And then I can go from there over to, start the continental divide trail i'm gonna pretty much go right from that into the into the next one um so that i can get into colorado once the when the snow is sort of melted so you don't get much gap at all in between the two trails no, no i think it's uh it's maybe one day rest it's, it's the amount of time it's going to take to drive from one the day end of this one to yeah 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 Wow. Yep. Yeah. So, so I guess that you're just going to continue with the same shirt, the same shorts that you've been wearing <laughs> and the same supplies. Yeah, yeah. Cause I guess they I, just, I'm going I'm to make a few equipment adjustments, which was I got another advantage to doing the Arizona trail first, um, is it allowed me to test out a few things that I've, I've got a, a really lightweight single person tent. Um, and I, and that's working out really well for me. I'm going to actually switch to, a different backpack. Um, I'm going to start using a slightly larger backpack because on the, that, the continental divide trail, there are some sections where the, the towns are not four or five days apart. It might be 10 days. 
So wow. now I, I really want to make sure that I've got the space and the capacity to carry more food. Um, I'll need to carry, I'll be in grizzly territory, so I'll need to carry bear spray, Sure. Um, which is essentially mace. Um, I'll, I'll have to carry that for some sections. There, there's, there's some other pieces of equipment I'm going to need to carry, so I'll have to pick that stuff up um, later on in the trail. But, uh, but yeah, this is this has basically been sort of a it's sort of a shakeout, <laughs> the pre-race uh, shakeout run for uh, for the CDT. Wow, what a shakeout! 800 mile <laughs> shakeout. <laughs> now, how long will the Continental Divide take you? Yeah, so to complete the yeah, so it's it's a right around three thousand miles um, for that route, and I have four and a half months, one hundred and thirty five days to do wow. that. Wow, uh, four and a half months on the trail. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now, as you study these maps and you prepare for such a long trip like that. Do the maps show you like scenic points or more important points on the trail? Or as a hiker, do y'all share within the hiking community like, man, you got to make sure you stop here or make sure you take time here or see this? How do you, can you know those things and how do you know those things? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of both um, because there's, there's some really great official resources that are out there, guidebooks and maps, um, that, uh, that, uh, are available. But in addition to that, there's, um, in addition to that, there's, uh, sort of like a really, a really popular now is it's an app, um, that you can use that it shows you your position your gps position okay. even when your phone is in airplane mode okay which is something that not a lot of folks know is that the the gps chip on your phone is still active and in most cases will still function even if you don't have a cell signal your phone still knows where it is hmm. so there's apps that um tap into that to allow you to see visually where you are um okay. on a map um, it's sort of like Google Maps, um, sure. basically, and you can you can use that on the trail, and that's become really popular. That's had a big impact on trail accessibility. Okay. Um, but along with that, it, it also allows people to leave comments. So as as I'm, I'm I'm using that right now, and as I'm hiking, if there's a really good water source or a really great view, I can leave a comment. And the next time I do oh, have wow. cell service and I connect, it'll update yeah. the database. And then everybody's got access to that. Um, sure. and, and that's really for the water sources on this trail. That's where – that's the information that I'm really relying on is the information that other hikers and that the trail angels, these volunteers, they go on and they post, hey, I just left 12 gallons at this spot, you know, or, oh, there's this is uh, – this tub has got water or, oh, this one's dry, so don't bother going down this side trail. Um, so it really is a – a community-based sure. project. So as as you've prepared for this trip coming up, and you're you're about to complete the one through Arizona, or at least halfway through Arizona, <laughs> have there been like moments where it's just kind of caught you um, in a state of awe, and you're like, "Man, this is one of the coolest sights I've ever seen." <laughs> Almost like you have to pinch yourself to say, "Hey, am I am I really here?" Yeah, it's something that I, I I don't know if I was really expecting it, but the pretty much every night 
the the sunsets out here and on the, on the desert have been spectacular. Wow. Uh, there's something about the, the 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 lack of moisture in the air. I'm not sure, but um, when there are clouds, the clouds are this brilliant purple and pink, and and then across the horizon, it it almost it, it creates these striations that uh, it's a full like rainbow color spectrum. Um, so wow. the, the, the sunsets have just been absolutely amazing. And I've, you know, I've, I've tried taking some photos and video and, um, and kind of sharing some of that, but it really just doesn't compare to being out here in person and, and kind of witnessing it each night. And that's kind of been part of become part of my daily routine is to, to stop for sunset and maybe have some dinner and, sure. um, and kind of just, just soak it in and enjoy it before the sun goes down and I hike a few more miles. But, uh, that, that's been really standout. And, and the, the contrast of the sunset with the, the, you know, the large, the big, that's the cactus, um, yeah. in the view. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been really special. I mean, you're seeing these sites and being able to encounter, um, so many things, not just sites, but like you mentioned earlier, nature, animals mm-hmm. along the trail, all that kind of stuff. So what's it like when you have to come back to like just, I, I say civilization, but you know what I mean when I say yeah. just, just, I guess life when you have alarm clocks and uh, you, you have people that you're interacting with um, on a daily basis. I, I'm sure that it has to, there, there has to be some type of adjustment period, right? I mean, what's that like? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's, um, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's really challenging. Um, it's, it's really difficult going from, from that life where when you're hiking and you just, you have complete freedom pretty much, you know, every day you're, you're, you're right. your own boss, you're right. deciding yeah. how far you want to go and what you want to do. Um, to then trying to, 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 to reintegrate into, uh, you know, normal life or whatever. And it's, it's a lot like finishing a big hike is a lot like, um, going through and, and doing like an 18 week training plan for a marathon, you know, or or a big race and you've got the race and then it's finished. And then you kind of, you look at yourself and say, okay, now what? I just, I've just committed so much of my, my mental and physical energy to this thing. Now, what do I do? once that's over. Right. Um, and you know, I think for some folks they kind of decide, okay, like I did, I did the thing I I did it and I'm done and I want to now think about other things for me and, and other folks that I've met. It's you've, you've done it. And then you say, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go back to, uh, you know, go back to work, go back to doing what I was doing. But in the back of your head, you, there's that little voice saying, okay, well, but when are you going to get back out there? When are you going to do the next thing? Right. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it's been for me for the last the last five years or so is, is sure. doing little projects to kind of keep that voice quiet. Sure. Um, and uh, this time I kind of said, all right, you know what? You win. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it all. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So it uh, it has to get... I'm assuming lonely on, on these trails. Some people love, uh, just being out there by themselves. Like for me, I love talking to people. I would probably, if I saw somebody on a trail and I was hiking, like I would be just beside them, just talking nonstop just because, you know, I just like talking to people. Um, so, um, are, 
are you hiking right now with somebody? Is it is it tough to be? I say lonely, but it's more sure. like being alone. Um, what's that like for you? Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think on a lot of a lot of the trails that are really popular, um, you really don't have much time where you're alone. Um, okay. Okay. There's there's other folks that are out doing the same long distance through hike, or there's people who are just out for the day and you sort of, you come across a lot of people, um, as you're hiking. Sure. Now in Arizona right now, we're at the tail end of the main hiking season. The weather's starting to get hot. There's not as much water. So there are a lot less people. This is a smaller trail. So there's less people. Okay. It's also towards the end of the season. So there's less people. So for the first two weeks now, I, most days I didn't see anybody else. I didn't see a single other person. Um, recently, I and it's sort of got to the point where I'd maybe pass. I'd, you know, I'd see one or two people throughout the day. Over the last uh, last twenty four hours, ended up bumping into a group of I think there was there's six six or seven of us um, that all sort of got together. That are all they're all through hiking. We're all doing this thing, um, and and that was kind of cool to to meet up with a big group. And some of us. Uh, you know, are taking some rest tonight. Some of the rest of them continued hiking on, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll sort of all uh, run into each other further down the trail. But it is a serious, you know, it, it is a big part of doing something like this is dealing with the mental challenge of just being in your head all day, sure. um, and 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 dealing with you know dealing with uh, the loneliness and um, and and dealing with dealing with not having someone around to talk to. I mean, me personally, I, I, I feel like I do pretty well when I'm, uh, off of my own doing something. And, uh, and that works pretty well for me. But even, even in my case, after a few days of not seeing another person, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, please, anybody, I just yeah. want to just yeah. want to say hi. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it is that the, doing these hikes. Yes, it is a big physical challenge, but I, I think, for most people and the, the, the number one thing that's probably going to cause people to quit or to, um, to, you know, not be able to complete their through hike is that the, the mental aspect really sort of gets to them. Um, right. Either the, the, dis, the discomforts they're not, you know, mentally they're not, they're not quite there. It's not something that they're as passionate about or, or dealing with being away from friends and family. You know, that's a, not being able to use your cell phone every day. Right. right. I mean, these are these are things that for for a lot of us, that is what our normal life is. When and when that's removed, um, it's it's definitely a challenge for folks. Yeah, I'd say that's uh, that's definitely a huge challenge. Uh, I mean, even j- just to think about that, you know, not being able to use your cell phone. I mean, how many times have have we gone a whole day without using the cell phone either for yeah. direction, for communication, for mm-hmm. you know our daily life. So I can definitely see how that's a, that's a huge challenge. Now you mentioned um, just traveling and seeing people and, and you've told us on this podcast, all the things you've seen, but tell people how they can follow you and your journey through Arizona and then transitioning over. I'm assuming that you're going to still keep doing the same thing. Once you go over to the continental divide trail. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the plan. So uh, right now I'm, um, posting, uh, periodically when I can on, uh, on Instagram. Um, and it's, uh, at marathon treks 
T-R-E-K-S. Um, and that's where I've, I've got I'll occasionally put some um, some photos um, on my story. I try to include some some cool videos. Um, but that's also got uh, in the in my bio on Instagram has a link to a uh, website, a blog that I, I kind of put together to try and bring a lot of these these journals and photos and things I've done over the years, bring it all together. Um, and that's uh, at uh, marathontrex.wordpress.com. Uh, uh, that's the, the current URL. Okay. Um, and, and that's where I'm, I'm posting more pictures and also trying to do kind of keep a journal of uh, what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing, how I'm, how I'm feeling out here on the trail. And uh, a lot of it's, you know, for myself to look back on, but I also really enjoy reading journals from the, the folks who've come before me, who've done some of these hikes and these, these sure. trips. And, I'm, I'm, um, I imagine that's extremely, that, so, yeah. I imagine that's extremely helpful. Definitely. Just, oh yeah. 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 Being able to see, how people plan for certain things, where people stayed, um, learning some of the, you, you learn about some of the things. Oh, you, when you're in this town, you got to make sure that you visit, you know, stay with this person because, you know, they'll let you, they'll let you stay in their guest bedroom and have pancake breakfast the next morning. Sure. Um, so there's lots of, lots of little tips and tricks that you learn by, uh, by engaging with the community. Sure. Well, um, Sean, I have a couple more questions for you, and then I'll let you go, because I know you're thinking, I got to this town to rest. I don't want to talk to this guy all night. I need to sleep. So here we go. Okay. So if, if someone wanted to uh, like just start to experiment with hiking and how to get into it, what resources or what recommendations, advice would you give to someone who, really of any age, wanted to start hiking specifically? Where and how could they start? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I would say for pretty much no matter, no matter where you are, uh, whatever your community is, there's, there's going to be some local trails or paths and it doesn't need to be, you don't have to go and, and climb some crazy mountains. Um, really hiking is just walking. So, right. um, get out there, start walking, start learning what, you know, what trails are in your local area. Um, and either with, uh, oftentimes there's, there's hiking groups that go out and they'll, they'll hike together. Um, and really it's a lot of, you learn a lot from other people, um, okay. so connecting with other people who share sure. that passion of, of being in the outdoors and protecting the outdoors. Um, in terms of you start thinking, okay, well maybe what, what equipment do I need? I've got this idea. I want to do this thing. Um, a great place to start is actually, uh, uh, with uh, REI, um, okay, REI.com, uh, they've got they have a ton of really great articles that sort of break down. Hey, here's here's a bunch of information about sleeping bags, and mm. and you can kind of start to decode the different um, decode the language and and the materials and what's that. But what I I'm really a big fan of, you know, if, if you want to do these things, start take start getting into it, and don't worry about okay, do I have the perfect backpack and the perfect sleeping bag and, you know, is everything perfect? It's like, don't worry so much about that. Just, just get outside, get in the outdoors. Um, you'll learn along the way. You'll figure things out. You'll make mistakes. You know, I make mistakes. Um, but that's how you learn. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah. And just, just keep working through it. Yeah. It's a kind of quick story real quick. The last class I had to take in college 
was an outdoor leadership class, and our final exam, we had to go on a two-night backpacking excursion. And I'll be honest with you, man, I hated it. I was dreading it. I didn't grow up camping. I had, I had maybe camped just a couple times. I didn't own a backpack. And when you started talking about sleeping bags, it brought me back to that story because or that experience because I didn't know there was different types of sleeping bags. I didn't know the ones were like for colder weather, warmer weather, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I went, uh, I, I did the trip, obviously, so I could graduate. But coming back, I was like, man, that was the coolest thing that I did during yeah. my entire experience in college. And, I mean, it, it was it was really fun. Like you said, learned tons of stuff um, just about outdoors and all that kind of stuff. And so the um, it didn't, like, spur me so much to, like, I hike and camp now. But um, it was a great experience, which, you yeah. know, I asked that question selfishly because I'm like, you know, I'd love to go hiking with my boys. I have three boys. Sure. We just need to get outside, just do stuff like that. So, um, so great. Next question. Um, obviously, you know that I work uh, with the Run Hard Running program where we work with kids of second grade all the way through middle school. Some of them are just getting into the sport of running. Some of them are more like, I guess, uh, athletically gifted so they can run more efficiently earlier than people, but they still struggle a lot of times with, you know, the same struggles as a young person just getting into really the sport of running. But not just with that, we have parents who then get into running because their kids are starting to run now. And they're like, well, my kid wants to run in a race with me. I need to train all that. So we, we get a lot of people who are just getting into either the sport of running or starting a new active lifestyle so what advice you're an extremely um active person person so from hiking running whatever it may be what advice would you give someone whether it's a seven-year-old a 47-year-old or a 77-year-old that's just starting out that active lifestyle or wants to start that active lifestyle what would you tell them yeah i mean i I think for me, a big part of it is whatever you're, whatever you're pursuing, whatever the activity is, um, it really needs to come from uh, a place of you know, find that passion or, or find that love for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, if you're out there and you're you're just grinding it out, but you're not really enjoying it, you don't really want to be there, um, then you know maybe that's not the activity for you. And, sure. I, and I think that's a big thing. You know, people ask like, Oh, you know, you, you love running, you love hiking. Um, and like, Oh, I, I kind of wish I did that. And you know, for me, it's find, find your passion, find what your thing is. Mm, um, that's good. It's, it's not, it doesn't need to be running. It doesn't need to be hiking, but there's, there's so many things out there that, that you can do to, to be active, to engage with the community, to, to push yourself and to stay healthy. Um, sure. that it's, you know, take some time to kind of explore that. And, uh, and just, just be kind to yourself. I <laughs> think that's yeah. uh, important as well. Sure. Sure. No doubt. Well, man, I, I know we're, we're all, we're bumping up against an hour here, so I know your time is valuable and I really <laughs> do appreciate you, uh, you giving me a little bit of your time today sure. and, and talking about your experience, man. It sounds like one incredible trip that's going to continue for a while. And so, um, so I'm looking forward to following you on your Instagram, Marathon Treks, and even your uh, your WordPress site as well. So I encourage you all that are listening 
follow it because man, some of these experiences, some of the things that I've read, man, I, I know this is uh I say trip of a lifetime. Who knows with you? You may go on um, other trips. I'll be excited to get you back in 2023 with this whole run across America thing. So I know we didn't talk about that at all, but I guess that could be like a teaser. I guess that I, I, I guess they do that, you know. So Sean does. Uh, well, I don't know if I can say that. I don't know. I don't want to steal your thunder. But anyway, cool things coming up for Sean and what he has planned. Man, I don't know of many more active people um, than than Sean himself. Maybe Dean Carnazes may have something on you, <laughs> but outside of him, I don't know who does. But Sean, thanks again, man, for coming on, yeah. taking your time, and uh, hey, those listening, follow him. He's got some pretty cool stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for having me on, and uh, really, it's you know, it's a it's a privilege to be able to be out here doing this stuff and and uh, to be able to share it with some folks and and my hope is just that it it people see it and it maybe motivates them or excites them to to find their passion to find their find that challenge that thing that is gonna gonna push you and excite you and uh just go out and do it that's That's right just go out and do it hey that's a good word it's simple but it's good so (laughs) thanks again for listening we'll uh we'll see you soon see ya